Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, September 9th, 2018, on the basis of Mark 7, verses 31 through 37. Are you better at hearing with your ears or with your eyes? I realize that sounds like a bit of an odd question to ask, and yet I'm guessing we're all familiar with the research that shows that more than half of communication takes place non-verbally. In other words, more than half of the information that passes from another person to you as you talk with them comes at you through your eyes. And yet even much more than that, I recently came across some very interesting research that's being done out east at MIT. Out at MIT, there are researchers who are figuring out how to listen to things by looking at them. The basic idea is that sound waves will take whatever they come into contact with and cause them to vibrate, even if just a little bit. And so if you can figure out how to capture that teeny tiny vibration, you can then use complex mathematical algorithms to sort of recreate the sound that caused it. I wanted to show you a quick example. What you see on the ground there in the circle is a bag of potato chips. And you are about to hear two audio clips of a man yelling almost at the top of his lungs at that bag of potato chips. The first audio clip is what was captured by a cell phone that was sitting in the room on the floor right next to the bag. And the second audio clip will be from the camera pointed at it, sitting outside the room, in fact, behind a soundproof window. This is what a cell phone was able to record from inside next to the bag of chips. Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, that lamb was sure to go. And this is what we were able to recover from high-speed video, filmed from outside, behind soundproof glass. Maybe I'm the only one that think that thinks that's kind of cool, but I do. Why do, I, why do I show you that? Well, aside from the fact that it might arouse sort of your greatest fears about Big Brother spying on you and const- constantly listening in on all of your private conversations, it does have something to do with what we're talking about today. Namely, how do we make sense of suffering? If there really is a God who is in control of all things, if he really is all-loving and all-powerful, then why do people suffer? Why is our world full of evil things? In fact, why are there so many bad things that take place that there is not just one and not just two, but three major cable news networks that have enough to talk about 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Suffering and making sense of it is something that both Christian and non-Christian alike struggle with. And here's the thing. We're sort of conditioned to approach that question and to approach that struggle the way we do with just about everything else. We want simple and pat answers. The kind of answers that can be reduced to a post on social media, the kind of answers that can be wrapped up before the next commercial break. We want answers to all of our questions, we want solutions to all of our problems, and we want them delivered quick, fast, and easy. And yet, as we turn our attention to these verses from Mark chapter 7, we're going to see today that it doesn't always work that way with Jesus. That suffering is complicated. That just like researchers trying to listen to a bag of potato chips, it takes us 
paying attention very, very carefully, gathering all of the information that is available and at our disposal. It requires us to watch very closely. It requires us to listen very carefully. In fact, that's what we're going to see as we look at these verses today, that it takes more than one sense to make sense of our suffering. So before we even get into this incident in the life and ministry of Jesus, it's clear that Mark very much wants us to know where it took place. And the big idea that we need to keep in mind is that this took place outside of the borders of Israel. It took place in Gentile territory. And as Jesus was traveling along, there were some people who brought a man to Jesus who was deaf and mute. In other words, he could not hear and he could barely talk. It's very clear that they wanted Jesus to heal this man, but beyond that, we don't really know a whole lot. We don't know what their relationship with this man was. We don't know what their motivation for bringing him to Jesus was. We don't know exactly what they expected Jesus to do, but I think it's safe to say that they wouldn't have expected Jesus to do what he did with this man. Rather than just kind of waving his hand as a magic wand, he stopped what he was doing. He took the man all by himself away from the crowd, He put his fingers in the man's ears. He spit and he touched the man's tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and he let out a deep and slow sigh. Why? Well, if Jesus simply wanted to heal this man, he wouldn't have needed to do any of that, of course. But Jesus wanted to do much more. Jesus wanted to communicate with this man. And how else do you communicate with a man who is deaf than through sign language? So Jesus put his hands in the man's ears and touched his tongue. He said, you may be deaf, but I'm not deaf to your problem. You don't need to be able to speak to tell me what's been going on in your life and what you've been struggling with. He looks up to heaven and he lets out a deep and slow sigh. And he's saying to the man, not only do I know what you've been going through, not only do I understand the pain and frustration and struggle, but that... All of that is mine too. Your pain is my pain as well. He wanted the man to know that he had all the time in the world just for him, that he knew what the man was going through, that his pain was Jesus' pain. He wanted the man to see just how much Jesus cares. So are you looking? I don't know what it is that you might be going through. I don't know what keeps you up at night or causes the gray hairs to multiply on your head. I don't know what causes heartache or causes the tears to come streaming down your face, but living in the world that we live in, I'm I'm willing to bet that there's something. And before we can even talk about what Jesus may or may not do about that something, we need to see, we need to watch and pay careful attention to how much Jesus cares. You see, so often when we talk about suffering, those simple pat answers that we give are so dismissive and almost apathetic. Well, I'm sure there's a plan. It'll all work out. Everything happens for a reason. I probably should be thankful. I mean, other people have it much worse. We deal with suffering by trying to minimize it, by trying to dismiss it and make it seem like something small. Or, or consider, for example, the whole idea of karma. What goes around comes around. So why are you suffering? Why are you going through this struggle? Well, you must have done something to deserve it, which means that guess what? You're not going to get a whole lot of, for me, sympathy, Right? Not so with Jesus. No matter what the problem, no matter how big, no matter how small, he too wants us to know that he has all the time in the world just for us. That whatever it is that we're going through, he knows, he cares, and our pain is also 
his pain. In fact, just, just like he did with this man, Jesus wants to remind us of those things and communicates those things to us using sign language. He does so in a way that we can see. Before Jesus went back up into heaven and promised that he would still be with us, he didn't say to his church, he didn't say to his followers, you know, if you, if you get enough people together to, to say, fill up a, a sports stadium full of people, then maybe I'll, I'll stop by for a few minutes and give you a little bit of a pep talk. He didn't say, you know, I don't want to talk to everybody. That would be a little bit too much. So, so appoint one person to be the spokesperson for everybody, and they can come and, and talk to me and tell, you your, tell me your problems. He didn't say, sure, you can bring the big things, but, but please try and handle the small things all by yourself. No, instead, he said, no matter how many people it is, even a, a small group of people gathering together in a town that outside the state of Wisconsin no one has ever heard of, even if you get together in this small and seemingly insignificant place, we're just on the other side of the wall, they're talking about cell phones, even, even in a place like that, I'll show up. He said, even if you bring just one person, and even if it's a tiny infant at that, to the baptismal font, I'll be there. He said, if you take simple things like bread and wine, things that, by the way, you spend less money on than you do to keep the copy machine full of paper, in and with that bread and wine, I will give you the most precious gifts that I can possibly give. I'll give you my body and blood. I'll give you myself. I will show up. I will be there. And yes, while it may be true that sometimes we sort of get a little bit antsy and our fingers and hands start to twitch and we maybe even check our watches to see how many minutes are left until our favorite football team is on TV. Thankfully, Jesus never does that. Jesus never tires of giving himself and spending time with his people. Now, a business consultant might look at Jesus and say, boy, that's a big waste of time. Jesus, you need to learn how to delegate. You need to learn how to find people who can do that kind of stuff for you. You're, ne you're never going to be able to scale that up. That sure is inefficient. And yet we realize that suffering cannot be solved efficiently. It takes more than one sense to make sense of our suffering. And the first thing we need to do is watch and see just how much Jesus cares. Which is nice, I think you'd agree. But I'm also guessing that when we suffer when we struggle, we want something more than just having someone who cares. And that man who was deaf and mute, he certainly got more than just a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. After all of the sign language was done, then it was time for actual speech. And in fact, it's interesting that Mark allows us to hear what Jesus said as Jesus would have originally said it. In Aramaic, just one word, Ephatha, be opened. And with just that one word, the sterile silence that that man had grown so accustomed to gave way to the rich and full noise that you and I take for granted. Just one word from Jesus was powerful enough to accomplish that. But maybe what we really need to take notice of is that that wasn't the only word that Jesus spoke. In fact, the sound from that word had barely finished reverberating in those people's ears when Jesus started talking again. Very simple, but very direct commands. Don't tell anyone. Keep this quiet. Keep it to yourself. Why? Well, Jesus was in the very last year of his public ministry here on earth, and 
With each passing day, Jesus became more and more focused on what he really came to do, his date with a Roman cross. And Jesus knew full well, Jesus had seen already how sometimes miracles sort of got in the way of what he really came to do. In fact, the reason that during that last year of his ministry, Jesus very much laid low and spent a lot of time outside of Israel in Gentile territory, just like he was here, was because he had seen how miracles had caused so much confusion in Israel about who Jesus was and why he was there. Yes, that one word, Ephatha, accomplished a whole lot in opening that man's ears, but maybe the rest of what Jesus said conveyed a message even more powerful. That he hadn't come to this earth just to snap his fingers and make all of our problems go away. Instead, he had come to this earth to take all of those problems, put them on his back, and carry them to the cross. So are you listening? Are you listening? It's real easy to think, boy, it's sure nice to have someone who cares, someone who will spend any amount of time with us that we want him to, but, but if he's going to spend all that time with us, why wouldn't he take the split second it would take to actually make our problems go away? If, if a single word from Jesus can accomplish something like this, then why doesn't Jesus use his word to do something like this for me? In fact, is it fair to suggest that those very same things that keep us up at night and cause the gray hairs on our head to multiply... Those very same things that break our hearts and cause tears to stream down our faces, those very same things sometimes cause us to shake our angry little fists at God and stomp our tiny little feet in heaven's direction. Jesus, if you can do something like this for this man, why can't you do something like that for me? And so we need to listen. We need to listen very carefully as Jesus reminds us that our suffering is much more than skin deep. That the pain and suffering we go through in our lives really are scars from that spiritual battle that has gone terribly wrong. Evidence of the evil that Satan has wrought in our world. Evidence that this, this place where we live, this place is no longer paradise. That the world that God created just for us is no longer fit, is no longer up to his standards for the place where he wants us to spend eternity. His words here are a powerful reminder that the ultimate word we need from our Savior is not the ephatha that makes all of our problems go away. Rather, it's the it is finished that he spoke triumphantly from the cross. But why can't we have both, we might wonder. Why can't we have both? Well, even when Jesus does allow the suffering to continue in our lives, and by the way, if if we really knew what Jesus was up to and could really see everything that he's done in our lives, we'd probably be amazed to see how often we do, in fact, have both. How often the healing and the relief and the protection and the deliverance that this man experienced, we get the very same thing. But even when we don't, even when the suffering continues, that too says a whole lot. That too speaks a very powerful message that what we really need from Jesus is not his healing, but just him. His life lived perfectly for ours. His life offered innocently as payment for ours. Our suffering can't just be fixed as easily as we might imagine. It, it takes more than one sense to make sense of suffering. And yes, we need to see 
how much Jesus cares, we also need to listen carefully to how Jesus cures. And then in the meantime, instances like this give us a preview of what is to come and proof that it surely will. That one day we too will hear this voice, the very voice that opened this man's ears will one day open our graves. And one day too we will see this face, the very face that people who were once blind had their eyes opened up to be able to see. That one day too we will feast at the heavenly banquet that Jesus has prepared, the one who can take simple water and turn it into the finest wine. That one day we will touch the hands that fed thousands and calmed storms and healed and drove out demons, and most importantly, those hands that are scarred from the price that he paid. And friends, rest assured that on that day, with all of our senses fully engaged, we will be able to make sense of our suffering. That that heartache and those tears will give way to the very same kind of joy and amazement that these people experienced in these verses. And that on that day, we will see just how true it is what they said. That yes, Jesus has indeed done all things well. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.